in the ancient days of 2001, I found myself laid off, spectacularly so. In fact, I got news of my status as an unemployed person from a phone booth in the Cinque Terre region of Italy. I had been prancing around Greece and Italy with my very dear friends, spending money like a drunken sailor, enjoying a delightful severance package from a company, knowing that I had another cushy job lined up waiting for me in San Francisco when I was done with my vacation. It was pre-9-11 and things weren't terrible, but the internet bubble was slowly losing air. But back then, I couldn't even have conceived of the internet bubble bursting. It all just seemed so up and to the right. But my intuition told me, go go to that phone booth, check in, make sure you got a job to come home to. And of course, I got the vice president of marketing on the phone and he said, I don't know what to tell you. Our entire marketing department was eliminated yesterday, including your position. And that phone call ushered in one of the darkest, most difficult times in my career. I had spent way too much money. I had an expensive apartment in San Francisco and very few prospects. And the tragedy of 9-11 that played out shortly thereafter only made matters worse. In fact, the week before 9-11, I had been interviewing at J.P. Morgan, not far from where it all went down, for a position with a fintech startup. And I was just about to receive an offer. And then 9-11 happened. And on September 12th, I called my contact to make sure he was okay, and he was unable to speak. He was crying because he had lost a good friend and her daughter in the flight that went down at the Pentagon. It was a terrible, terrible time for everyone, everywhere. And I tell you the story not to bum you out, but to share something powerful that I learned during those days of unemployment which you may be in the midst of right now, because there's some real strong parallels between those tragic dark days and these tragic dark days. And what I learned was the story you tell yourself about your situation has a very real impact on your situation. Staying trapped in a survival mentality can be devastating, psychologically, of course, but can also poison everything you set out to do. And if you're listening to this and you're unemployed or underemployed or just plain freaked out by everything that's going on in the world, you're not alone. You're not the first person and you certainly won't be the last to go through a situation like this. But you're also not meant to stay freaked out. You're meant to reinvent yourself. You're meant to do the work required to emerge from this time period like that goddamn phoenix you are. And my guest today has some really good advice along those lines. You are about to meet the delightful Nick Onkin. Nick is a multi-hyphenate in the truest sense of the word. He is a photographer who has shot celebrities like Justin Bieber, Usher, Gerard Butler, Jessica Alba, and entrepreneurs like Tony Robbins, Jay Shetty, Todd Herman, Latham Thomas, Gabby Bernstein. But he's also, wait for it, a hat maker. His hats are pure magic. And if you get the show notes, you'll be able to see Nick, his hats, and all of his photography in all of its glory. It's really worth seeing. So get on my list if you're not already on there. But not only that, Nick has his own podcast called Onkin Radio, where he talks all things creativity with big names like Scooter Braun, Donna Karen, Tori Kelly. 
Nick came across my radar as someone who understands the value of consciously doing the work to become the best version of yourself, consciously creating and tapping into the magic that is you to create a personal brand born of authenticity and delight and meaning. Because let me tell you something, those of you, those of us who are crystal clear on what our personal brand is, are the ones that are going to get those jobs. The ones that are hiring are looking for people who have clarity around that stuff. I loved this conversation, and my hope is that you will take on Nick's beautiful optimism and relentless commitment to improving and emerging from this moment happier, more creative, and even more yourself. Enjoy. And actually, it's funny, when I initially, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I was thinking, God, you know, his message of creativity and got such a joyful energy and vibe to your brand, to the way you communicate, to the art you put out, to the hats you make. And I thought, God, we're all in a forced cocoon right now. Mm-hmm. And part of being in the cocoon is the struggle to get the hell out, right? The butterfly has to fight like hell to get out. And I thought, you know, you are somebody who started the cocooning. Like I was just listening to your podcast and things you learned in 2019. And you're really reinventing yourself all the time. And some of us are now doing that because we have to, we've just been laid off or we can't leave our houses or whatever. And I thought, you know, Nick has some things he could teach us about that. Like (laughs) to the people who have just been laid off, who are now forced to reinvent, forced to create themselves, you know, where, where do they begin? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it begins with the inner world and getting yourself into a space of creation into a mode of creation. You've got to get the survival out of your system so that you can actually get into a proactive space of creating yourself, figuring out something new and a new direction. I mean, I'm kind of almost having to do it once again. You know, mm-hmm. I think for me, I just like, I went through this a couple of years ago after a, I was, you know, I've done a lot of big commercial photography mm-hmm. over like 15 years, commercial, editorial, celebrity, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then the industry, once Instagram started coming out, kind of turned upside down a bit. My business started declining. I was like in this world of crazy decline and trying to figure out what was going on because there was so many different elements to that. And then I went through a breakup, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as breakups do. So the combination of the two just sent me down into this like really dark hole. Yeah. of existential questioning of life and meaning of life, not necessarily in a suicidal sense, but in a like, what's the meaning of anything? Like what's it's all made point, up. Right. Yeah. It's all made up. And eventually, you know, for, for me, some of those tools that really helped me through those times was meditation for yeah. sure. I've been doing Vedic meditation for probably four years now with Emily Fletcher. She was my teacher. Mm -hmm. She's pretty amazing. She runs Ziva meditation, but that was an aspect of it. Gratitude practice and just like Mm -hmm. trying to every morning really identifying the things that I'm grateful for that I have that are in, you know, that I, you know, because that's gratitude is the space of like positive emotional vibrational frequency. And it's it's the easiest place to start. Yeah, because we can all find things that we're grateful for, like this breath. <laughs> this, yeah. you know, every morning now, I'm like, I have a nice, clean breath that I get to take. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not on a ventilator. I'm breathing <laughs> on my own. Yeah, it's so fundamental. And you said something. You said in order to get into a creative space where we can create ourselves, 
we have to get out of survival. And are those yeah. the two main entry points for or exit points, I guess you would say, out of survival and into creativity? Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of like, I'm, that's why I started back here is because that's yeah. where I kind of picked up these tools because I didn't know, like I had no idea what hit me. And eventually, if we want, we can go into psychedelic and plant medicine healing and yeah. stuff like that. Because that's also a big piece of what helped me. And then reading books, yeah. reading like things like Coming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. Oh, huge fan. Yeah, he's amazing. He amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about learning how to get from survival to creation. Like he gives you the science of how your body works with going through fearful emotions yeah. and what that does to your body and how that traps you and paralyzes you and mm -hmm. meditation and how meditation can help you shift out of that. And mm -hmm. that's the key, right? Is being able to shift out of that fearful panic state so that you're in a space of like, oh, wait, I can create the world that I want. That's right. And to your point, there is so much science to it. So to the people, because uh, I live in the Bay Area and right now, you know, the layoffs and the furloughs are coming fast and furious every day, every week. And more of us are like, holy shit. Yesterday I was vice president of blah -de blah or director of yada yada. And today I'm, what am I today? And so I think what people are tempted to do is just dust off the resume and re-enter the rat race as quickly as possible or re-enter the same through the same portal that they got shot out of. And to me, this is such a precious opportunity to look, you still may go back into the same portal into the same reality, but you want to come in as a different version of yourself. And I totally agree. The tools, meditation, gratitude, just absorbing, bathing in new information. And I, you know, one of your podcasts, you mentioned how much you love audiobooks. Me too. What do you tell people about how to see themselves differently than they have before? In fact, as a photographer, because I've been photographed a bunch and most people have had their headshots done, one of the worst parts of having your picture taken is that you know yourself and you're like, oh my God, I, I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm short or I'm this or I'm stupid or I'm, what, I got roots, you know what I mean? But the photographer doesn't see that, God willing. What they see is this other you that they're trying to pull out. Like, what can you as a photographer tell people about how to see themselves differently? It's a great question. The idea of seeing the good in yourself, it's like more about the energy that we put out there than it has, is the actual like physical meat suit that we're in, right? Amen. Amen. Um, and, Say more and, about that energy though. What do you mean by that? I love that. I think it comes down to like, you know, be, do, have. It's what you're being. It's who you're being and, you know, the light that you're being and the, and the energy and the belief systems that are in going on inside of your head because what's going on inside of your head is what comes out into your interactions with people. Amen. So My entire coaching practice is based on that exact premise, Nick. Exactly yeah. that. Amazing. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. It, it makes so much sense. So if you have somebody who's stuck emotionally, professionally, creatively, the shift has to come from energy, which comes from thought. Is that kind mm -hmm. of the flow you're going for? Yeah, it comes through thought. You got to like reprogram subconscious programming. That's kind of the deeper aspect of it. But I think the 5% conscious mind aspect mm -hmm. is what thoughts are you thinking? And not, not only that, what thoughts are you believing about yourself? 
we believe the story that we tell ourselves. So if we think we are listening to one story that's I'm not good enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. Yeah. When we start believing that, that's when we take on that persona or we create the persona out of that, really. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, and that's what shows through and when you, t- you translate that to photography and that's what shows through. And mm-hmm. so I think getting to a space where you can really own yourself mm-hmm. and own who you are and what you're giving to the world, I think that's a space to be aware of and yeah. to create from. It's so interesting. I so wish you were in the Bay Area because I have to, when this is all, when we come out of this cocoon eventually, I'm doing a whole rebrand, new website and a whole new series of photographs. And I've just got to redo everything because I'm at this new sort of inflection point in my business and my work. And I am kind of dreading the photo shoot because I feel in my mind that I'm just Bronwyn. But I've got to build this new version of the brand that's, no, I'm Bronwyn, goddammit. And I'm like, how am I going to call that Bronwyn forward when it's time to go on camera, um, you know, to be photographed? Like, do you have magic words you say to people to call out their best selves? Well, I think a lot of it is, I mean, part of it's the process for me. Like when I photograph people, I take them through a branding process of like, who are they? What do you want to to share with the world what's your story what's important to you like what tells your story yeah you know how do you bring that vibrance out part of it is like the magic of being on set with me and like the energy that I bring to it and you know I like to play music I like to get you moving I like to get you like get your full personality to come through yeah um but a lot of that also, you know, is up to you, you know, what you bring to a shoot. And I have a whole tip sheet that I send out before. It's like, get a good night's sleep, yeah. meditate, get into your zone. And then remember, you know, you know, I tell this to everyone, everybody takes a bad picture. Yeah. And you have to kind of get through that to find the good ones. And so like when you start overthinking what you're doing as a subject in a photograph, mm. that's what shows through, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh my God, if I look like this, I'm gonna look eh, like yeah. weird. Yeah. Then that's actually what's gonna come through. But if you're just like, whatever, I'm having fun and I'm smiling, yeah, sure, we'll catch some weird angles, but we throw mm-hmm. those away. That's right. That's right. In fact, my best friend just did this like online paint watercolor class with her daughter and the teacher kept saying over and over again, and don't worry if it looks bad, nobody's going to see it. You can make another one. <laughs> they always like the woman said it like 20 times because as humans, we're so, so, so self-critical. So tell me about the relationship between being self-conscious and being able to express yourself creatively. Like, how do those two things interrelate? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like a mental shift that you have to go through and to like really step out and, and observe mm. that there is that thought there, right? Where, what is that self-conscious thought? What am I scared of? What am I scared of showing? What am I scared of not wanting to be seen, right? Mm-hmm. And then step aside and know that, everybody takes a bad picture. We're going to throw that one away. Um, And the more you give and the more you bring to a photo shoot, the better the photos are going to become. That's right. How Um, did you, when you started making hats, which is so cool, they're so beautiful. Was there that voice in your head that's like, who the hell are you to be making hats, Nick? Like, did you have that (laughs) voice? Number one. Number two, what did you say to it? Because there might be some people who are incubating really cool shit right now but who aren't making the thing they know they need to make because the voice is going, really? You? Yeah. I mean, I think there's also test 
period of like getting things out there and you know yeah I, I never really thought about me making and selling hats but then like I would make them and wear them and then people would be like wait where'd you get that hat I want one I mean I saw Bieber in Soho house one day and he was like yo man I love your hat no and I turned around I didn't know it was him and he didn't know it was me and I walked over and I was like oh Justin He's like, oh yeah. I was like, it's Nick. He's like, oh yeah. Because like, I had, I had long hair. I have long hair now. When I shot him and I hung out with him, I had like a buzzed head. So. Oh my god, that is so <laughs> crazy. But stuff like that happens in New York all the time, right? You'll just be like, oh, there's Justin Bieber. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Ever. I mean, uh, that was in L.A. Funny enough, but oh. I've, I've ran into him here at the Soho House as well. Everything is so. That's amazing. Yeah. And actually, I have a question because, of course. There's the creativity questions I have, but then there's the obvious, like, holy shit, what's it like to shoot Justin Bieber? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he's, he, I've shot him probably four or five times and I've had a few adventures from like flying to Zurich to go photograph him for 20 minutes, you know, wow. taking helicopters down into the jungles of Guatemala with him for a charity project to yeah i mean to shooting one of his album covers with cody simpson that's crazy yeah yeah and i mean it's interesting to like be interact because like he's just he's such a young kid going through way more than i you or i could ever imagine a lot of it uh times i've hung out as worked with him was through the crazy times and you never know it's like what goes through his head is you know i couldn't even imagine yeah well, it's almost like I think about when you think about your own self at different stages at the highs and the lows. I mean, it, it, yeah, we, I think everybody gets grace for whatever period they show up in because we've all been through it at some point or another. But when you photograph folks like him or you interview legends like Donna Karen or Usher, and I have to do this work myself when I work with some of my clients, do you have to do any internal work to give yourself permission to be your full badass self before going in and photographing somebody who's incredibly well known? Or, you know, do you have to sort of get to that place of equality and take somebody off of a pedestal so that you can actually photograph them well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is definitely like a, an inner calming of the nerves, knowing, you know, because like the thing that you can never do, I'm sure you probably know this too, is like you can never fan out in front no. of somebody like that. You immediately go down into a completely different category and, That's and, it. <laughs> and you're not a peer, that you're not somebody that they look up to. You're a fan, which they appreciate from a distance. That's it. And we can't be of help. I mean, funny enough, the things that throw me off the hardest are if I have to work with climate scientists or, you know, the brainy people at Stanford, that used to really, I mean, I used to have to sit for like 30 minutes before a session and be like, I know what I know. They know what they know together. They'll know more. So I wouldn't be intimidated by their gigantic brains. I'm like, they've hired me to help them with a TED talk. Like, I got to get my shit together so I don't put them oh on a pedestal, right? But I'm, you know, they're a freaking nuclear physicist or an astrophysicist and I'm just me. You're absolutely right. It's that evening up of things. And I think actually that's another thing that helps, that is going to help the people that I have in mind for this episode, which is the people struggling in transition and they have to go back into job interviews and go with their hat in their hands, kind of, so to speak. And I think that work of finding equal equal balance is so critical to shining even in an interview. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I mean, I definitely have had a lot of that, even just like on a level of hanging out, you know, yeah. the first time, <laughs> the first time I hung out with Usher, I was just like on vacation with him out of a complete random spur of the moment thing with it, my friend Scooter, who ended up like, we ended up going on vacation with him, with Usher. And I was like, I, it was beside myself the whole time. And I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I come from like this little suburban, suburbia in Washington state. Like I've never been in, in any sort of situation like this. And next thing you know, I'm like flying private jets and helicopters and on Usher's private vacation. You're basically and- like living a hip hop video. Yeah, kind of. Pretty much. I mean, I've had some crazy adventures since then. <laughs> but it's wild. And I still have to, when I hang out with those people every once in a while here and there, I still have to kind of like come back into myself and yeah. not because there is this whole parasocial relationship that you have with that person of like, oh, I know this person. They don't know me. But I feel like I know them. I feel like I have this relationship with them. Yeah. Like there is this weird, okay, like how do I, you know, you have to normalize somehow. I mean, sometimes it's taking a few deep breaths. Sometimes it's just like really coming back to a center. Mm -hmm. And I think especially like, yeah, when you're going out on job interviews and like when you put your best foot forward and just know that the universe has your back. Yeah. I think that's what you can do. But obviously like put your best foot forward, like do the work, do the research, How do you become like the best version of yourself when you're going into these situations? Yeah. Yeah. Let the universe do the rest of it because you can only do what you can do. I totally agree. And you know, my advice always to people, whether it's a job interview or a press interview or anything that I'm helping them with is you go in looking at it as the beginning of a long-term relationship, not like I got to close this person. It's like going on a blind date with somebody who just wants to get to the good part, wink, wink, you know? (laughs) Like nobody wants to hang out with that guy. Like you got to see it as a long-term thing, as an investment. If it doesn't translate this time, maybe down the road, you'll work together. So anyway, I think that's all really good. One other thing I wanted to ask you when you said you talk a lot about doing the work, doing the work, doing the work, and we all talk about doing the work. What does that really mean? Like for people that are in a self or not self-imposed cocoon, and you had to really just say, this is what I mean when I say do the fucking work. What do you mean by like, what is it? <laughs> Great question. Doing the work for me means doing, you know, we all create these subconscious programming loops or we've created them throughout our whole lives. Yeah. And they govern the way they're our operating system. They're, it's how we operate in the world. It's like, are we a victim to everything? You know, that's like the first kind of mindset that people take on and don't even really realize it. I mean, look at our leadership in in the government. Like it's a huge victim mentality, which is bringing that mentality to everyone else. Who knows how he got to where he's gotten, but the victim mentality is blaming everyone else for your circumstances. And you have no control over that. You know, so when you can learn A, part of the work is learning how to take control over your own narrative and your own Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And you have the power to choose the things that you can only have the power to choose to do and and to be and like the person that you want to be. You can't choose your circumstances. You can't choose the way people, what people do to you. You can't choose this stuff, but you can always go out there and become a better person. You can go out there and become a better version. Mm -hmm. And that's different for everyone. Like people have been through different things. Sometimes maybe doing the work is going to therapy. Yeah. Maybe it's reading a lot of personal development books and practicing the things that you learn. Yeah. 
Maybe it's, you know, having conversations, listening to podcasts like this and, yeah. and learning about yourself and, and becoming more self-aware. I mean, awareness is the biggest key. The first key of really, really like understanding what the work even is and yeah. what work you have to do and what traumas, you know, from your past are creating the ways that you react in the present day. Yeah, I found that really interesting because I've, you know, like you, I've, I think any person who's doing any kind of creative work or high functioning professionally has had to do the work on some level to get to where we are. But I couldn't believe how much work I still had to do when I went into this self quarantine thing. You know, when you unplug all of your social relationships and you're left with just this, there's so much to learn from that. Have you found that? Like once you remove all inputs socially, like face-to-face -face inputs, you really get to evaluate which ones are additive and which ones are subtractive. Have you found that too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I hit this huge, the first couple of weeks of this madness was like a lot of shit came up. Right. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm into this groove. I, I've been doing the work for a couple of years. And then like Corona happened. And then, uh, you know, we we're kind of grieving into this new paradigm of like, what is this going to look like? You know, mm -hmm. I had three huge jobs canceled. I was supposed to be in Marin County doing a shoot the first weekend that, that this happened and it got canceled. And then I got back and like two other shoots got canceled or yeah. postponed or whatever that means in this, who knows when we're going to get back to the right. real life. Right. And if there is going to be a real life after I this. I know. Like what is real after this? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, shit, like um, this is all happening. And then I was like, what, what am I good at? That's not photography. And then like all these like self-doubt thoughts started coming up and like, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah. How am I going to make money? Government just ran out of their stimulus fund. I didn't get any of that. I know, right? And I know every time I see that headline, I'm like, well, shit, there goes that idea, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, my Canadian friends are getting like eight grand here, eight grand there. I'm like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> things are broken in this country. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, like we got to kind of just accept what is and do what we can do and move forward, yeah. right? Like we yeah. can't change the circumstances outside. But we can utilize this time to learn, to watch, take a new course, to yeah. uh, do more meditation. I've had to freaking up my meditation game and my breath work. And, you know, breath work is a huge, huge tool for me in terms of detaching from the default mode network in your brain mm -hmm. and like getting out of your head and like getting into a space of like, okay, back to that, you know, getting out of survival and back into creation. Survival is really just getting stuck in your head and getting paralyzed from the fear that comes from that. Because, you know, we're all just creating fear from a, a made up future possibility it yeah. that hasn't happened yet yeah. or happened at all. Yeah. And so the more we get stuck in that, the more we get paralyzed and the more we get pushed into survival, fight or flight or freeze. Yeah. And then we're not in creation mode. So if we can learn how to purge those fearful thoughts and then get into a space, you know, maybe that's just one step a day. Yeah. I mean, work out, move, meditate, do these things so that you can get into a space of like, oh, I want to. I want to learn this course or I want to read yeah. this book or I want to, you know, learn a new subject. You know, we have, now we have all this time. It's like, we can learn things. We can, we do don't it. have that excuse anymore. Right. Yeah. It's like, now's the time to reinvent and relearn. Yeah. I think that is so incredibly powerful and getting at that. In fact, what I've found for me at least is that I can be in creative sort of radiance from about seven in the morning until three 
I can reprogram the shit out of this head. I can write, I can write scripts, I can come up with new curriculum for my clients. Like I am just a, I am just a supernova. And then at three o'clock, I'm done. Like I have to either watch a show to like recharge my battery, or I have to take a nap, or I have to read a really outlandish fantasy book. That's my three o'clock alarm that I sent. Hey Google, <laughs> stop. Anyway, do you find that or are you just always creative all the time? Oh, no. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of like that too. Like, that's why I like to get up at seven and yes. get my day started. And then by like three o'clock, I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay that makes me feel better. Especially like, being home in the office. You know, if I'm out and about moving around, it's different, yeah. but it also depends on how much sleep I get and how, how good of sleep I get. I'm very yeah. particular about my sleep. Me too. Um, I like my eight hours, but lately I've been sleeping like, nine and ten hours it's crazy because we can it does make me wonder if we're just we, we're all just growing so much in our little cocoons that we need more sleep my daughter has grown like three inches during quarantine because all she's doing is sleeping she's like a teenager and she's just oh my every, God. every day she gets closer to eye level i'm like what the hell that's crazy um, yeah it's it's crazy I, and i see a metaphor in there for all of us you know so to end on that note, I can't thank you enough, Nick. Thank you for this. Thank you for all the light and the energy you're putting out there in the world. The radiance in me sees the radiance in you, my brother. I hope that we all come out of the other side of this and we're able to actually like high five each other in person. Yeah, likewise. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for having me.